We are back for another episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Foy. That is my guy, Daniel Gavals. We're here to get you ready for everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Get you ready for the final UFC event of 2023. UFC 296 goes down on Saturday night in Las Vegas. Of course, we got two title fights, a welterweight title fight. Also, we got a flyweight title matchup, which is a rematch. And later on in the show, we'll play a little game with uh, Daniel of Did You Know This Fact? Daniel already knows the fact because I already told him the fact, but uh, it was definitely a fact that I was not aware of about one of the fighters in the title fights coming up here on Saturday night. Uh, Daniel, always great to be here on a Wednesday evening talk a little mixed martial arts action with you. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. It always feels good when we record on a pay-per-view weekend. Sure, we had a fight canceled, may have a fight booked by the time we're done recording, but Jason, it feels great, man. UFC 296 is this Saturday. We'll get y'all locked and loaded for this huge show. Walter White Championship on the line, and that's not the only title they'll be defending. Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall UFC 296, top to bottom, a, a really good car. It was, when I was putting together um, my sheet here for the show today, I mean, the one thing that really stuck out to me, because one of the things I do, I, I put the betting odds, and man, seeing Shavkat Rachmanov as a 7-1 to one betting favorite against Steven Thompson, boy, was a big one. The fact of, uh, I, there was one fight that when I saw the line, my first thought was like, man, really? And then I kind of started to think about the fight. I was like, okay, that 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 betting odd makes a little bit of sense. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But before we get into UFC 296, let's get into uh, – by the way, you know, we're not going to really talk about what happened last Saturday in the UFC because I don't know how many people really care about that. I will tell you this. Uh, Saturday night, I was in Atlanta and uh, went out to a brewery, had a little dinner, had a, had a really good dinner, come back, and uh, I thought this was a Christmas party going on in this hotel. Ended up not being a Christmas party. Ended up being a matchmaking party. First time I've ever... I, I didn't walk into this matchmaking party, obviously. But uh, it was uh, an interesting experience, Daniel. Just kind of see people rolling in and out of this matchmaking party. It's like real-life Tinder, I guess. I don't know if there's ever been a marriage that's been created through a matchmaking party. I don't know if it's like, hey, how did mommy and daddy meet? Oh, we went to, uh, went to um, you know a matchmaking party and that's where we we knew we found our person like i just feel like that's just a place to get some drinks and maybe get lucky but uh you know it sounds that like was kind of my, as i saw people walking out that was my perception yeah it seems a lot more like eyes wide shut than finding the love of my life but uh, yeah I, uh, it, yeah fight night it was fine. There were some knockouts. Khalil Roundtree is now someone who's a part of the mix at 205. Tetsuro Tyra desperately needs a top 15 flyweight fight next. And that's about it. Uh, the main event was a bit of a snoozer. Plenty of the other fights were as well. It was a little bit of an appetizer to get our appetites going for this weekend. Hey, let's give some kudos to Khalil Roundtree. I mean, he could have very easily thrown some additional punches that just were not needed. I mean, it, it's you. it seems like more times than not we don't see that happened. We more see, you know, that additional punch too. But, uh, you know, when, when Anthony Smith got on those skanky legs, uh, it was over. And uh, kudos, I, I think you got to get some kudos cool out on tree for not throwing any uh, additional uh, damage. And, man, you talk about, you know, there was a time where I think a lot of us really discounted Clue around tree and now win five in a row here. And he puts himself in, in really a very good position. You got to think maybe one fight 
at the most two wins away from potentially fighting whoever is the champion of this division because when it comes to a 205-pound division, God knows where who's going to hold this title six months from now. I know, and they may not even drop it via a fight. They may drop it via some type of news breaking, whether it be an injury or something else. But for Roundtree, you hit the nail on the head. This is not someone I anticipated to be a top 10 fighter in his weight class. Here he is. And the thing with Roundtree, it's as simple as the matchmaking. He will go as high as the matchmaking goes. If he is matched up with someone that can wrestle him down, put his back on the canvas, that win streak will get snapped. But I think if you're the UFC, you go to bed at night, the idea of Alex Pereira and Khalil Roundtree, that sounds like a freaking banger. I don't know how Khalil gets there, but if he gets a favorable matchup, he will certainly get speed track to that fight because he has a very exciting fight style. I'm looking, so looking at, at the UFC rankings, he is now, he's moved up three spots to number eight. There's one matchup that I look at and go, yeah, that's a bad matchup, and that's Magomed and because of what Ankalaev can do with grappling. But outside of that, tell me who's a bad matchup. Nikita Krylov, Johnny Walker, Alexander Rakic, Jan Blahovic, Yuri Prohaska, Jamal Hill. Yeah, it's a lot of guys I think are going to be willing to stand up with him. And I'm not picking Roundtree in matchups, matchups against a lot of those guys just because, well, those guys are proven commodities in that top 10. But if they're willing to stand and trade with Roundtree, he's got a shot uh, with anyone in this division. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, that, that to me is one of my bigger takeaways from last week is just, I mean, look, Song Yunong went out there and put on a performance, uh, a great win for him, and he's going to clearly put himself in a great position. But we talk about some MMA news and notes that have happened over the past couple of days. Uh, you got to start over with the PFL as it was announced uh, yesterday in a report by ESPN.com. Also, MMA Junkie had a uh, story out there. Uh, Mark Romani had a story for ESPN. And Nolan King, who does a great job covering Bellator for, for MMA Junkie, that might cover. Hogan has been hired by the PFL. He is going to be the head of Bellator Fight Operations. Uh, also, the PFL has hired CJ Tuttle, who has been one of the PR guys for Bellator. Great hire uh, by PFL. Also, they had hired Megan Trapp, and I want to, and she's uh, in in ticket operations for Bellator. I want to say she's. I may be wrong here. I think she has been with Bellator since the Bjorn Rebney days. Um, so three excellent hires. Um, I did see one of the other uh, Bellator PR people who basically said he would not be joining PFL, uh, but talked about, uh, said that there are some other names that have been hired by PFL, just not out there as well. So, but I think that's a great hire. Um, Mike Kogan, very well respected by a lot of the fires in Bellator. I think also that maybe relation to is, I think you always want to be, when you're talking about a company transition, you want to be with someone, you you know how they operate. And I think that plays a lot into it. And also I think the fact is, I think a, a lot of those fires maybe have gotten some really nice contracts from Mike Kogan. So I think that's probably also why they were hoping Mike Kogan was going to stay on. But a uh, good hire there for the, the PFL. And, and really interesting to kind of see how this PFL, how this is going to unfold, you know, coming up here. In 2024. Uh, also, uh, news came out last week. The California State Athletic Commission has approved uh, promoters' licenses for Power Slap and Bare Knuckle FC. Uh, I'm not really surprised on either one. You know, Daniel, there's been a, there's obviously, you know, Power Slap is, is something where there's going to be people, I think one, they're, they're kind of in, th- in three different areas of Power Slap. Either you're really against it, 
you're in the middle, like, you know what? I'm not really for it, but I understand there's an audience out there. Then, of course, there's the people that absolutely love Power Slap. And, you know, I saw some of the criticisms of the California State Athletic Commission approving Power Slap. And I do understand certain aspects of that criticism when you talk about, you know, uh, yeah, getting slapped in the face and you're not defending yourself. Not great for your long-term health. We know that. But I go back to a line that you said on this podcast. You said this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Hey, Stepping into a cage, stepping into a ring is not good for your long-term health when you're getting punched in the face. Um, but I, I brought this question up to you, and I brought this up to someone else that I value their opinion in this sport. I said, how much of the negativity of power slap is a direct correlation to people's hatred of Dana White? As in, let's just say Scott Coker was the promoter and owner of power slap. Is the public perception different? Because it's Scott Coker, not Dana White. I definitely think it's far less out there. It's a far less of a talking point if it's Scott Coker rather than Dana White. No doubt about it. I I think you're still going to have plenty of people criticize the power slap if it was under Scott Coker's regime. But you aren't going to see as much outrage for sure. Because Dana White is the type of person that brings outrage out of a lot of people. In addition to that, I think because power slaps associated with the UFC, it's basic economics when it comes to opportunity costs. Every time there's a power slap headline or a power slap promotion, your UFC fan is going to ask the question, would it not the resources have been spent better on the UFC rather than yep. this power slap league? So I think without a doubt, power slap would be less of a talking point and less hated upon if it wasn't a Dana White operation. And I'm someone who kind of sits in the middle between the middle and thinking power slap shouldn't be a thing just because of what you outlined. The inability to defend yourself, the guarantee for the hit is what makes it less of a sport than anything for me is that it doesn't give that fair sporting aspect to evade contact, to evade a strike. Everything with combat sports is bad for your health. It's a sliding scale. It's a matter of where you draw the line. Me personally, I would draw the line before power slap. Got to be honest with you. Um, But I'm not going to, you know, protest it. I'm just, that's just my opinion. That's just my two cents. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll consistently see bad power slap headlines as we see different things like that one fighter who looked completely messed up. That one went viral a few weeks ago and he continued to power slap. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, so, I mean, like, I'm like you. I'm in the middle. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch Power Slap. Um, I would say that a majority of the Power Slap content, probably I would say 95% of the Power Slap content I see is on Instagram or TikTok. And I understand that there's an audience out there. And I think that some of the people who criticize Power Slap, I just don't think they want to accept the fact that there's an audience out there. There's an audience out there that absolutely loves this shit. I mean, let's just be honest about it. They, they sit there. They want to see someone get knocked out. I watched a clip the other day, and the dude's, like, grunting as he's about to throw. And I'm just like, what is this? He's grunting? Yeah. I, I, th- I want to say it was the guy who's about to get hit was grunting. I'm like, hold on. Is grunting a defense in power slap? Yeah. Maybe my uh, my statement about no defense was uh, – What's wrong? Maybe grunting is is the way to escape a concussive blow. 
<laughs> it's ridiculous. It's not something I'm up in arms about. It's something where I have an opinion about. It's just a matter of like, eh, we live in America, whatever. Do as you wish. But as an athletic commission, it to me, it doesn't look cool. Like it doesn't look good on you if you're just willing to check mark this and let it pass because I just don't see the justification because of the lack of defense. But, you know, when you are the UFC and you have that type of lobbying power and that type of influence, you dictate what goes on in this country. I mean, it's the UFC is the most powerful entity. It's not the commissions. They follow the lead of the UFC. I mean, that's why someone like one FC will struggle to get some of their rules. If, if the UFC wanted to do every single thing one FC wanted to do, they would get that done tomorrow. But that's just what happens when you're the big fish in the pond. You kind of dictate what's in your little ocean. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, I, I understand. I mean, like one of the things that the California commission, they call power slap a mixed martial arts. People took, took offense to that. But I mean, look, I think that at the end of the day, you have to understand these commissions are in the business to bring tax revenue to their state. Um, obviously they're going to worry about the health and safety aspect of it. Um, uh, but for me, not exactly surprised that we saw, um, this get, get approved by the California state athletic commission, uh, BKFC also getting approved as well. So just uh, something I kind of wanted to throw out there here at the beginning of the show. And the other two things I want to mention here are both tweets from Ali Abdelaziz, of course, the MMA manager, uh, running dominance MMA, of course, uh, has a probably, I would imagine hundred, 200 fighters. They probably manages, and so his first tweet, which I, th- I thought was a little more interesting than the tweet that he had this morning. So this was a tweet on December 10th where he says, quote, I love the sport of MMA so much, but I'm truly concerned about the demographic of what is going on right now. And I'm very worried about the fighters and their families and the sport in general. I have never felt like that that before. And then early this morning, he had this tweet. He goes, quote, I truly try hard with every promoter to have peace because we need all of them. And I really try hard. But with these people don't understand, fire will always come first. Bullying fighters. It's a wrong mistake, especially on my watch. I will fight to the death for my people. And the but what was really stuck out to me is this, this tweet on December 10th where he says, I'm truly concerned about the demographic of what is going on right now. Very interesting wording. Um, Really haven't seen much of that. I've seen a lot of people respond to it, basically like, hey, man, what do you mean here? Um, My perception, and I... Look, no inside information on this. I'm wondering how much this may be in a direct effect to what's going on with one championship. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting tweet from Ali. Yeah, I'm not sure what he means by demographic. I would like to get a little more elaboration on there. But it is interesting. It seems like things are not going swell. And it'd be interesting to see what promotion maybe he's talking about. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, You know what I had no idea was happening this weekend? Jake right Paul? now, yeah, yeah, what he fights. Hell? He fights uh, in Orlando tomorrow. I had to laugh. There was a a press release earlier today. I got to find this press release. So he's basically he's fighting in a hotel in Orlando. It's a, it's a, you know, I mean, a good size hotel, but it's not like it's got a 20,000 seat arena. It's, it's a lot of uh, BKFC has done a lot of events over here. I'm trying to find. Uh, as it says, uh, the headline of this press release was Jake Paul versus Andre August sets record for highest gate of any Orlando boxing event in history um, as it surpasses Miguel Cotto versus Delvin Rodriguez in total gate and also sets the record for the highest average ticket price in Orlando history for a boxing event. 
I mean, my guess is this venue maybe holds a thousand people. I mean, it can't be much more than that. Yeah, I guess what we learned from that statement is that Orlando hasn't held that many boxing events. <laughs> is that case? Um, wow, it's a. I, I wonder what's going on with this fight. I don't even. I ne- didn't know this fight was on the books. I have no idea who Andre August is. He, he's a, he's actually he's a. I want to say he's a six and zero boxer. I want to say ten ten and one according to Box Rec, which you know maybe that, well, they're, they're, they would be the official. Uh, He's ten and one. He's got a one star rating out of five. So he's he's uh, in the world. He's ranked three hundred and tenth. He's thirty five years old, which is a red flag. Um, and yeah, he uh, he. I'm not going to pick him to win this fight. I have a feeling that he is in fact being brought in to pad the record of Jake Paul. But he has. Uh, when you look at Jake Paul's box rec, and basically everybody he's fought was just debuting. Um, you have Tommy Fury with eight fights, and then everyone else has either four fights or less. So it is a guy with experience, but uh, man, that would be that would be a stunner if Jake goes out here and just loses to Andre August. Doubt that will happen, but that's something that would really be wild for this fight that really no, there's no buzz about. If yeah, it's just uh, go out there and lose. I want to say it's a DAZN pay-per-view if people want to check it out tomorrow night. Uh, actually, I, when I was on my Facebook timeline, I saw actually one of the, the sports bars in Tampa was promoting that they were going to have the fight. Um, I mean, look, obviously it's a hand-picked fight, and uh, I did see um, the uh, a stare down from yesterday's press conference where Jake Paul's going, hey, uh, you know I knocked your coach out in training, right? <laughs> like, and, and to me, what, what was the weirdest part about this whole thing? Is a fact of there's a guy standing in between them two holding a microphone. Like, oh yeah, this wasn't done on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Jake Paul gonna Jake Paul. I, uh, I'm not looking forward to this one. But will I see the Twitter highlights? I'm sure I will. But this is the first time Jake Paul's ever fought where it snuck up on me. Like it just I didn't didn't know it was happening. He the day I, before. I saw a video, I want to say, I, I either saw it on IG Reels or TikTok, and it was Jake Paul, I don't know if it was him doing his own podcast or he was on someone else's podcast, and he basically talked about it, he's like, yeah, I'm not promoting the fight. And I was kind of like, man, if I'm the zone, I'm sitting there going, hey, bro, we're paying you a decent chunk to fight for us. Uh, we want you to promote this thing. Did you say why? Oh, man, I forget exactly why he said he wasn't going to... Um, I, I man, I saw the clip. I, I wish I would have uh, put it out there. Uh, so I just found a story here. This is this is from uh, Talk Sport. So it was on his podcast called BS with Jake Paul. Had no clue that was his actual podcast name. He goes, I don't know why they want me to keep on promoting this effing fight. I don't care. I don't care. This literally just so I can get experience. I'm wearing the same outfit as my last fight. I'm just showing up and knocking this guy the F out. We don't need to promote this S. But it's the wor- it's the road to what? Paul's co-host said, becoming a world champion, you just can't throw that off to the side. I am a world champion, Paul clapped back. I don't need to elaborate the manifestation that's going on in my head. I possess the talent, hard work, skill set, all the attributes of a world champion, so I'm that I'm already and I'm willing and manifesting the rest into existence, become the world champion. You're well, young said everything. Yeah. <laughs> if he's a world champion, 
I'm a world champion, and so are you. I mean, Jake is not a world champion. He barely. If hey, if we just got to manifest it, let's go. Let's manifest into a world champion. I'm a world champion right now of of professional wrestling, even though no one's given me a championship. Yeah, it's a two nut fight for old Jakey Paul. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I think as at least he's fighting a boxer. I mean, I think to throw that out there, not finding an MMA fighter, and uh, you know, obviously he's going to make his PFL debut in 2024. We'll see who who that is against. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, I I, I will tell you this: uh, the odds of me watching Jake Paul versus uh, Andre August tomorrow night, unless I go out and the place has it, that's the only way I'm watching it. Yeah, that's a that's an X. That's an X thing. We're we're seeing that on X. Oh God! You know, if he knocks him out, we're going to see that on X ASAP. Oh yeah, yeah. What are your viewing plans for UFC two ninety six? Do you know what you're going to do? You know, uh, I will be I will be up in Appleton, Wisconsin, because we're playing the Packers on uh, Sunday afternoon. So I don't. Um, I was actually one of my go-to things on the road, Daniel. I love arcade bars. Like that is, I, I love me a good arcade bar, and uh, I found an arcade bar in uh, in Appleton. So that uh, is likely where I'm going to be, uh, or at least one of the places I'll probably end up being. But uh, I, uh, you know, I, it'll probably be something that you know I might end up just watching after the fact. Yeah, I love how, you know, the NFL just announced there'll be a game in Brazil, and I love how you could be traveling around the world, Jason. You could be going to a game in the Netherlands, and your ass will be in an arcade bar playing NFL Blitz. Dude, okay, I go arcade bar. Okay, for it to be a good arcade bar, they got to have certain games. You got to have NBA Jam. You got to have NFL Blitz. If you don't have both those games, you're not a good arcade bar. No, no doubt about it. Those are the hallmarks. You open an arcade bar, those are the first two games you got, man. And, uh, you know, speaking of the NBA, shout out to George McGinnis. Mount Rushmore of Indiana Pacers passed away today. He was in the ABA, bro, as a rookie, and in his second year won back-to-back championships, Hall of Famer. You know, all these kids nowadays talking about Tyrese Halliburton being the best Pacer of all time, Reggie Miller. Hey, Put some respect on George McGinnis and Mel Daniels and Roger Craig's name, all right? Uh, yeah, I think Roger Craig is his dude's name. But three Hall of Famers for the Pacers. Just wanted to give them a little shout-out because, uh, uh, yeah. Did I spend my whole day at work uh, looking up uh, George McGinnis stuff? Possibly. But, you know, that's why I love sports. Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, arcade bars on the road are just a go-to thing for me. Plus, you know, I mean, look, it's we're going to, you know, we're in Wisconsin. Us Florida boys, we're going to be cold. You know, it's going to be in the 30s and 40s. You know what that means for us, man. I'm got beanie on. I'm going to make sure I got the good good hoodie on. Yeah, it's uh, thankfully it's no knock on wood right now. No snow in the forecast, so let's let's keep it that way for uh, Sunday and and uh, hopefully well, we go out there and get a victory on Sunday. But of course, we mentioned about Saturday night UFC 296. So recording this here uh, 7:30 East Coast time here on on Wednesday night, and uh, you know Daniel, we've already lost one fight. We've now lost a second fight as it just came out that Randy Brown is sick and he has been oh. pulled for UFC 296. So uh, his fight against Muslim Salikov is off. Of course, we already yesterday, Dana White announced that the matchup between Vicente Luque and Ian Gary was off. Ian Gary uh, had the flu, which ended up turning to pneumonia. Ian Gary 
Uh, I did see you on X said that it was a UFC doctor decision to pull him out of the fight. And uh, it's uh, obviously it's been an interesting couple of weeks for Ian Gary as uh, everything that's been going on uh, in his life. But obviously we, we've got the, the two title fights, Rachmanov, Thompson, Ferguson versus Pimblett. Uh You got Josh Emmett taking on Bryce Mitchell. Of course, Bryce Mitchell taking this fight on about 10 days notice, replacing Gia Chikadze. And, uh, you know, look, I'll, I'll say this. I mentioned earlier on the show that there was a betting odd that surprised me initially. It was actually the betting odd on Bryce Mitchell and Josh Emmett. And, you know, Josh Emmett, uh, a plus 185 betting odd dog, minus 225 for Bryce Mitchell. And I thought, I was, at first, I was like, man, like, wow. Man, Josh Emmett's that big of a favorite. But then I started really kind of thinking about it. I was like, man, he just came off a hell of a beating from Ilya Teporia. And even though he does have that wrestling background to potentially uh, try to nullify the the ground game of Bryce Mitchell, I was like, you know, yeah, Bryce Mitchell probably should be that big of a favorite uh, in terms of this matchup. And, uh, you know, there's a... there's a fight that I really do like on the prelims just because I think it's, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I think it's going to be a fun fight. Two guys who definitely lo- lo- love to uh, stand up and uh, throw them bungalows, Alonzo uh, Menafield and Dustin Jacoby. Um, I do like that matchup. Uh, Cody Garbrandt versus Brian Kelher. I mean, I think we when you talk about, I think there's clearly one guy who has a better skill set than the other guy, that being Cody Garbrandt, obviously, but Kind of tough to trust the chin of Cody Garbrandt, even though he did look good in his last matchup there. But, uh, yeah, obviously it's all about these two title fights with Leon Edwards uh, defending his title against Colby Covington and uh, Pantoja and Roy Val. Of course, the rematch or first matchup coming back in 2021 where Pantoja won via second-round submission. Apparently, if Colby Covington wins this matchup, that uh, uh, 45 is going to put the title around his waist. He's requested that. I guess uh, Trump's going to be in the building. So uh, I guess uh, for the MMA audience that hates the fact when the UFC shows Donald Trump walking out to the UFC octagon, well, you're going to hate that on Saturday night. Maybe if uh, Leon Edwards wins, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, can... uh, Wrap the title around his place. As you start saying that name, I'm like, who is that? I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that is, he's been the prime minister since 2022. But, uh, yeah, not as famous as Boris Johnson, who I think is someone you probably would have recognized. Yes. But, uh, I would, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. I wouldn't recognize his name. You know, yeah. Speak, speaking of, uh, Colby Covington. So, you know, this is a guy that has not exactly been a, an active fighter since 2020. This will be his third fight since 2020. Man, he's fought last once fight. in 2020, once in 2021, once in 2022. We haven't seen him or fourth fight since 2020. This is his first fight in 21 months. How do you even go about picking a winner in this fight when you haven't seen Colby since he fought freaking Jorge Masvidal? How do you go and pick this fight? You look at Leon Edwards. And the last time we saw him, it's been since March against Kamaru Usman. And it's just like, I I mean, to me, it's really simple. It's like, do you believe Covington's going to be able to, to win with the wrestling? Because as good as Colby's stand-up has been, and it's hard not to be impressed with how Covington fought against Usman years ago <laughs> at this point on the feet. You know, that was a fight where you saw it and you're like, damn, Colby's a damn good striker. There's levels to this game, and Leon is on a different level. And the type of style that Colby has on the feet, I think, plays into the counter approach of Leon Edwards. 
It's as simple as, do you think Colby's going to be able to consistently get Edwards on his back? That is how this fight goes. And the question is, how do you have any confidence either way when you have nothing really to base it on over the past year and a half, two years? I would, I would also say not just the takedown aspect of Colby games. I think it's how does Leon Edwards handle the pace that Colby Covington brings, you know, and I mean, you look, you, you bring up a lot of great points. The fact that Colby Covington, 35 years old and something that we were going forth on text message earlier today is the fact of, you know, when you look at the resume of Colby Covington fighters on this resume that are still in the UFC, Rafael Dos Anjos, Dave, I don't, I don't know if Dave Maya is technically still an active UFC fighter or not. Brian Barbarena and Max Griffin. I mean that that is a thing. Like you look at what he has done. I mean let's just let's just go back to 2017. Dong Young Kim, Damian Maya, Rafael Dos Anjos, Robbie Lawler, Kamaru Usman, Tyron Woodley, Jorge Masvidal, and his best performances were in the losses against Kamaru Usman. Yeah, yeah, those are the performances that really solidified him as one of the best welterweights in the world. Straight up at UFC 268, that decision could have gone either way. He could have been an undisputed unified welterweight champion. It, it, it's he's a phenomenal fighter. There's no doubt about it. it. It's 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 a difficult fight to pick, and the reason that I'm going to go with Leon is I'm going to look at the scoring system, and I could see rounds play out where Colby is winning the majority of it, and if the fight happened in 2007, he wins, but. I could see Edwards stealing these rounds by landing significant strikes that do more damage. And in the scoring system, that means more than positional battle. So I think Leon's style in this matchup is what's going to lend a hand. Potentially, the way Colby wins this fight, though, is what the pace you mentioned. Possibly, if he plays it carefully, he can employ that pace on the feet and win some rounds there. Because Leon can be someone who's very patient with his stand-up, which is crucial when it comes to scoring that highlight reel knockout, but can be detrimental when it comes to winning rounds. I still think, though, that Leon's going to be able to connect enough to win said rounds, but you also can't discount the striking defense of Colby Covington. It is hard to tag this dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my thing is, and, and I always talk about this, Father Tom is undefeated. I, I do, one of my concerns with Kobe Covington is the fact of, you know, how much of these weight cuts really take out of him in, in terms of it and how much that has played into uh, the lack of activity. And I do wonder how much the UFC maybe has a concern if Kobe Covington is their champion. If, is he going to be a fighting champion? And we, we both know that's what the UFC wants. The UFC wants their champions to fight two, if not three times, or even four times. In a 12-month calendar period, um, I'm picking Colby Covington in this one. I just think his pace is going to overwhelm Leon Edwards. But, you know, Colby Covington doesn't have that that fight-ending sequence that Leon Edwards has. And, um, you know, we, we know what he can do, and we've seen it. I do I do slightly favor Colby Covington. Uh, Colby, I'm actually kind of surprised at betting odds on this one. Colby Covington, um, you know, ranging from a plus 130 to a plus 140 betting underdog. Um, I was kind of surprised in terms of that one. Now, your co-main event, Pantoja and Roy Val, of course, rematch. First matchup took place back in 2021. Pantoja winning via second round uh, submission here. And, you know, my thing about, as I've been thinking about this fight is like, 
I don't know. I mean, flyweight fights typically, you know, tend to go the distance. I don't think this thing's going to go the distance because I don't think Brandon Roy Val has the fight mentality to play it smart and wait for his opportunities. I mean, this is chaos, but this is the did you know part of the show. And I, I said this to Daniel earlier today because I was like, hey, man, did you know that Pantoja's nickname is a cannibal? I, I didn't know that. I, I don't even know. Why, why would you want to be the cannibal? Why, 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 okay. why would you want your nickname to be Raw Dog? It, it could be described. It, that could describe how you live your life. But bro, bro, if, bro, bro. If I walk into a bar on Saturday night, I ask 10 people watching the UFC fight, what's your definition of Raw Dog? You know what they're going to say yeah that's how that's how i became a father that's what they're going to say but would you rather be known as someone who's a raw dog or someone who's a cannibal i i think it's got to be the raw dog and i just got to know why is he a cannibal does he eat people surely he doesn't he weighs 125 pounds unless he eats very little people i i i want to know I'm interested. I, I've seen Alexander Pantelja fight time and again. I never remember him being introduced as the cannibal. Um, but here we are. Uh, we have the opportunity for Bruce Buffer to let the world know that Pantoja, uh, after he gets done tapping out uh, Brandon Royval, may in fact eat him as a snack. I actually, I, so I Googled the origin of Pantoja's nickname. Of course, this article not popping up here. Um yeah, I. I someone's had to ask him the question. I mean, surely, surely, it's just, it's just like, yeah, why would you want to be the cannibal? I, I, I don't get it. Like, it, it's not a respected way to live your life, you know. Yeah, I mean, people. like there, there has got to be some, obviously someone in his gym had to give him this nickname. Was he biting somebody? Was he pulling a Mike Tyson? Dude, I uh, don't know. When I when I look at the uh, when I look at the official uh, MMA junkie in 2018, they ranked everyone's nicknames on UFC Fight Night 140, and uh, Pantoja was ranked 17th. Somehow, Ian Heinish the Hurricane was a worse nickname than the Cannibal, which is uh, insane to me. No, 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 I'll tell you a way worse nickname. There was a guy. His name is Corey Cuppy. I've interviewed him before. He's fought in the PFL. And I'm pretty, and I remember when um, he signed with the management company. They basically said, "Yeah, we're eliminating this nickname." The nickname was a womanizer. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not great. That that's awful. I, I don't understand. I, yeah, I. That's a bad nickname, Jason. Yeah, there, there's some bad ones out there, but there's some bad ones out there. But like, this is one of the ones, and like in terms of, of breaking down the fight, I th- I still fear Pantoja in this one just because of. I mean, the only thing where I could see where Pantoja could get himself in trouble is him utilizing his takedown abilities and getting caught in a submission by Brand Royval. But I just think that Brand Royval, unless he comes in here with a more labored attack here and not with his you know the chaos that he typically fights in. I think this is Pantoja's fight to lose. Yeah, I think this fight ends in the first round. Brandon Roy Val's your new champion. Otherwise, I think Pantoja's going to catch him in a grappling exchange and tap him out. I like Brandon on the feet here. 
I think he's going to do something exciting and, and possibly make this a fight of the night. And I do think he's a live dog here, but I'm I'm leaning on Pantoja. I think he has the strength on that grappling exchange. To me, Roy Vals, like you talk about there's fighters in this sport that you say no matter when they're fighting, you want to watch them fight just because you know they're going to bring the fight. And that, to me, is brand Roy Val. And, uh, you know, this is a, obviously a tremendous opportunity for him. Uh, then you got Shavkat Rachmanov taking on Steven Thompson. Rachmanov, a seven, minus 725 betting favorite. Uh, the return on Steven Thompson, plus 475. This uh, Why does this feel like a matchup of the UFC going, you know what, we want to get rid of Wonderboy? Yeah, because this is the ultimate Joe Silva matchup, right? I mean, this is something Joe Silva would email about. He'd be like, damn, Steve is not taking my offer. Let's feed him to Shavkat. <laughs> Joe Silva, not not a good look with those emails coming out. But, yeah, I mean, Rakhmanov is literally the scariest dude in the division without a championship. Like, you look at every Walter Waite and you say, who is keeping you up at night? His name is Shavkat Rakhmanov, the man who eats horse meat, apparently. It's a, it's a 40-year-old being fed to the horse meat eater. And I think Rachmanov is going to have his way with Stephen Thompson. I mean, with Stephen, he's an amazing guy. You follow him. Yeah. He's doing, like, karate classes with, with kids and running the dojo with his dad. And you want to root for him. You want him to go on a, as he mentioned on UFC Embedded, a, a, a Glover to share a run. You know, he's like, don't discount the old guys, the 40-year-olds. But <laughs> – Dude, if Thompson, who had a great win in his last fight, it was it was a fight where I counted him out, where he went out there, he impressed and beat Kevin Holland. If he comes out here and beats Shafkot, that's a magical run. But there's a reason why, and I'm not looking to double check, but I'm pretty damn confident he's the biggest dog on this card. And it's because Rachmanov is a man who will be in the cage with a championship on the line sooner rather than later. I mean, straight up, Jason, if I told you, Jason, um, I need one guy to beat Leon Edwards. And if you get this wrong, you're going to die. Your life is on the line. Which 170-pounder would you pick to beat Leon? Who are you putting in that cage to beat Leon Edwards to, to, to stay alive? Oh, Rockmanov would, would be I, Rock Mom's the easy answer. Yeah. That's how good this dude is. <laughs> that's why he's probably going to have his way with Stephen Thompson. But that's why we watch the UFC for miracles. Like, there are plenty of opportunities for miracles, bro. Look at this main card. I mean, look at the next fight we're going to talk about. There well, are miracles of possibility. To me, it's as long as he doesn't fight with his ego and wants to have a kickboxing matchup against Stephen Thompson, has that mentality of, I want to beat Stephen Thompson at his own game. I mean, he should be able to use utilize grappling. I think Rachmanov is probably going to win uh, by a decision here. Then it becomes really interesting to kind of see how the – and obviously it's going to play out of how does the main event play out of you got, you got Muhammad sitting right there who really should be the next guy to get a title matchup in this division. But if Rachmanov goes out there and wins, he probably leapfrogs Gilbert Burns as being the next guy to get a title shot in this division, but I do like him there. And then you got Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett, a three-to-one betting favorite in this one. And I want to mention this quote from Michael Bisming, which came from Bisming's YouTube channel. Quote, Patty Pimblett's a great fighter. Make no mistake. He's faster on his feet. He's probably got better boxing if you look at skill for skill. But Patty carries his chin kind of high in the air. And here's the quote. I've seen better defense on power slaps sometimes. 
Damn. That's why Michael Bisping is the best in the game. That is absolutely brutal. Um, and that's why this fight's interesting, right? Tony Ferguson, I mean, he's more washed than a freaking Lexus through a blue wave car wash. Uh, Tony's one of the great lightweights of all time. Hasn't fought like it in a long time. Like, like once you once you're bringing in David Goggins, you know things aren't going right. You know, you 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 don't see uh, the champion of the world bringing in Mr. Goggins. Uh, let me. But here's my counterpoint to that. If you're Tony yeah. Ferguson, do you want to go to a noble California gym, a notable Arizona gym, Colorado gym, name whatever state, and then you're likely just being fed to all these young guys who want to basically show their coaches they've got what it is and they're they're going balls to wall in training against you? No, you don't want that at all. I, I get the isolation. I, I definitely do. But what I'm saying is whether or not it's the right choice, it's a symptom of things aren't going great. Things aren't going great if you're training with David Goggins. You know, you're 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 in the you're in the Diego Sanchez. I'm um I'm training with Josh Fabia uh, to revitalize my career role. When the thing is though, as Michael Bisping mentioned, this is the best possible matchup for Tony Ferguson to possibly revitalize his career. I mean, this is a marquee matchup against a guy the UFC wants to build. And the thing is, even though Patty will likely win this fight and will probably finish Tony Ferguson, he does have a deficit when it comes to striking defense. And Tony hits pretty damn hard for 155. Look, if Tony can't, if he doesn't win this fight, I mean, I never want to be that guy. Someone needs to have a talk to Tony Ferguson. I don't know who that is in his life because I feel like he runs everything in terms of, but like if you can't win to, on Saturday night against Patty Pimblett, the time is up, man. Unfortunately, if he loses on Saturday night, you know, BKFC's come calling. Yeah. And, and that's probably the place he needs to go because then that's seven straight losses in the UFC. That's got to be a record. Yeah, he's that not won since 2019. Now, look, he's lost to the top of this division. I mean, it's it's a who's who of this division. And, like, I look at it, and if this thing plays out on the feet, I'm not going to be shocked when Tony Ferguson gets the win, whether it's by decision or he knocks out Patty Pimblett. If you're Patty Pimblett, I think you got to try to get this thing to the ground. Um, and I don't know if anything would necessarily surprise me of how this fight goes down because I could see Patty Pimblett submitting. Tony Ferguson, but uh, man, if Tony can't win this one, man, it, it's over. Yeah, it is absolutely over. Um, but screw it. I'm riding with Tony Ferguson. I, I think Tony, Tony pulls off the win. I think he gets a knockout. And to answer my question, uh, the other man, okay, let me just ask you, who do you think is the other dude who's lost seven in a row? That's currently in the UFC. No, oh, he's, he's retired. We're talking about history here. Tony's trying to make history. Which which fighter ended his career with seven straight losses? Did didn't Sam Alvey? <sighs> I'm gonna double check he Sam Alvey. Six. He might have been six. I'm gonna double check Sam Alvey, who I believe is doing the bare knuckle thing now. He's um, he, well, he's doing uh, the Karate Combat. Karate Combat actually has a, a show uh, tomorrow night. It's actually headlined by Vincent Henderson 
And yeah. Pettis, right? Yeah, and Pettis. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, he had a oh, well, he oh. had a draw, but he went one, two, three, one, two, three. He four, went nine fights, five, and then six, it went seven, eight. He uh, he went zero oh, eight and one in his last nine UFC fights. Yeah, but the draw the draw splits it. The draw splits it, so the streak is broken. Uh, the answer to my question. Uh, BJ Penn. You know, yes, sir. Yep. And, and seven straight losses to end his career. And maybe BJ Penn's the comp for Tony Ferguson. You look at the way BJ's career ended in the UFC. Maybe Tony's right there. And sad, sad to see, but I'm, I'm rolling with Tony. Yeah. I mean, if you told me that outside of the underdogs in the main event, co-main event, you had to pick an underdog to go out there and win. The two that jump off to me at the table are Alonzo Menafield and Tony Ferguson. I think the third one, I agree with you. I'm not sure I wrote that uh, down right. That's like, I'm actually surprised to see uh, Alonzo Menafield that big of an underdog. No, he's plus 250. He's plus 250. I'm, plus I'm, 250. I'm, actually, I'm surprised by that number. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking. Yeah. I'm, I just wanted the best fight odds. I mean, he's anywhere from plus 200 to plus 250, depending on where you're placing your bet at. Yeah, the um, the other one has to be Brian Kelleher. I mean, that's got to be someone you got to look at because Cody Garbrandt is he can even look good in a fight and still lose. Don't, he, he, you can't trust the chin. You can't trust the chin no. of Cody Garbrandt. But like, if you tell me skill for skill, who is the better fighter? It is Cody Garbrandt, no question about it. But. At this stage in his career, even though he's talking about how this has been the best camp since his Dominic Cruz fight and all that, you can't trust the chin. But he should win. Cody should win on Saturday night. He should. Yeah, but I've seen enough of his performances to fade him in this situation. I agree with you. And, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I can't. I will say this. I can't trust Brian Keller in that spot. Now, maybe if if Cody goes for a takedown and Keller is able to catch him in a guillotine. But, I, you know, I this seems like a fight that the UFC is set up to, you know, to put Cody Garbrandt in the best position to succeed. Yeah, Keller has not looked good lately. That's yeah. no doubt about. Um, I think. And again, the other one you mentioned in the top is like Mitchell Emmett, like. It's just, it's too soon for Emmett coming off that devastation. You know Bryce is going to impose his will, and damn, that was a good fight against Ige. So that I think the Ige performance is kind of what's making me stay away from picking Emmett. But originally when this guy was booked, I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to roll with Josh Emmett here because I think he has enough skill to, yeah. to keep it on the feet. And, and once it's there, I mean, it's Emmett's ball game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, look at the rest of the card. You got Ariana Dyer versus Carol Hosa, Casey O'Neill versus Ariana Lipsky, uh, Tagir Ulan-Bekov taking on Cody Durden, Andre Feely against Lucas Almeida, Martin Boudet versus Shamil Gazavov. Uh, I mean, to me, it's really, I mean, when it comes to prelims, I would probably say the Garbrandt, Kelher, Menafield, Jacoby matchups would be uh, the matchups that intrigue me the most. But it, it to me, it's all about the, those five fights on pay-per-view. Uh, I'll say here, here's, uh, as we sit here on a Wednesday evening. These are my official picks as we sit here now. I'll go Colby Covington. I'll go Pantoja. Give me Rachmanov. Give me Patty and uh, Bryce Mitchell. So we got two different picks on the main card. I'm rolling with you with Mitchell, Pantoja, Rachmanov. Um, I'm going Ferguson and I think Edwards wins. Oftentimes, 
when you have two championship fights, somebody does drop the title. I was kind of going through the UFC pay-per-views and basically the last five times we had that happen, there was a new champion. Um, so I don't feel good about rolling with both champions, but that's what I'm doing. I just, I just went around my junkie to see what the top headlines were. Fighters harshly pile on Gary following UFC 296 withdrawal. Are we surprised? I mean, seriously. Or, I feel bad for you and Gary. I really do. Just because this dude has been the laughing stock of, of, of the sport for a while. I mean, he didn't, you know. Bro, could you imagine what, what, if he had to fight Colby Covington? Colby Covington would have a field day with talking trash. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, The uh, it would get nasty. You you excited about this whole um, Chris Weidman deal that's coming out? Looks pretty interesting. Chris Weidman, The Return. It's going to be on December 17th. Have you seen this? No. I was looking at your face, and I could read that you, that you had not seen <laughs> I was like, wait, what the hell are you talking about, bro? Yeah, I could read your face. E60 is going to do maybe an hour-long piece. I don't know. But it's going to be on December 17th, uh, 8.30 Eastern Time. And uh, they're going to tell the story of Weidman's return from his uh, leg injury. Interesting. I I just saw E60 trailer on this one. I saw it today at work, and I was like, color me intrigued. You know, it's been a while since we've seen some good content from – from East from um, MMA, like a good document MMA documentary. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. I guess it's not a full fledged documentary, but I, it'll be good to see. And I guess uh, you know, here's a random topic. We always like to parlay sports into this. Shohei Otani got seven hundred million dollars. Yeah. Which fighter? All right, let me put put it this way. Will we ever see a fighter sign a contract that big? No. Or no, let me let me tell it this way. What year will it be? What year will it be when a fighter signs a seven hundred million dollar deal? Will it be would it be the year two thousand seven hundred and forty five? Like when you look yeah, at inflation. I, I don't think either one wants to be I don't think either wants to be alive. I yeah, I don't I don't I mean look, I mean I Okay, I'll, I'll pivot I'll pivot. When are we going to see a billion dollar deal in sports? Because that's coming for sure. I mean, you're probably talking. It's you're probably talking a baseball contract because of, of the way the finances are in baseball. Yeah, or soccer. I mean, those dude. I'm just. Sports. I'm uh, look. Here's what I'm saying. He Otani is. I mean, you talk about just brilliant over there. Hey, just pay me two million dollars a year. We're going to defer all this other money, and he can void out of the. De- I saw this today. He can void out of the deal if there's an owner change, or um, the general manager exactly. walks away. Which is just if you're the GM, you do that deal so fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do that deal so fast if you're the GM. But if you if he voids the deal. What happens to all that money that he deferred? Does it just go away? No, I would say, yeah, you, you're you're just whatever money would be left on the remaining part of the contract. You know, well, that would be like most of the money, bro. That would uh, be, yeah. Like- but I mean, let's just be honest about it. I mean, if he walked away from that deal three years from now, he's still going to be young enough because he's not he's not pitching next year. It is someone else is going off that? I mean, look at bro, it's it's crazy money. I mean, it'll be interesting in terms of mixed martial arts of. 
if, if you think about where where is this sport financially, say, three years from now, because by that point, you would imagine that the antitrust lawsuit will have some resolution at that point. You know, d- does the UFC make some, do they win the case, or is there a massive you know payment that maybe there's an NDA tied into it? I just, I mean, look, I think the way the UFC finances are going, I mean, we, we've seen it. I mean, fighters are getting 20% of the revenue. And it will continue to go down, I think, because it's going to be real interesting. The future of the sport is always so interesting. And when we talk about the finances, we're talking about television deals. That's where the money is, at least for the short-term future. Obviously, things are. it feels like things are changing when it comes to television and streaming at a very rapid rate. Sooner rather than later, a streamer is going to sign an exclusive deal with the sports league. And to get most of their content, and I'm not talking about the MLS, I'm talking about the NBA, I'm talking about MLB, UFC. Yeah, but things are interesting. I mean, WWE, which is now basically in the same family, there's a report going on that they were talking with Warner Brothers Discovery, which is a huge deal because Warner Brothers is obviously in bed with AEW. And if I'm AEW, I'm like, what the hell are you doing there? But... It's going to be interesting. I mean, the biggest money is going to eventually come whenever Amazon Prime or Netflix or Google decides to go in on the UFC. Whenever that deal happens, it will be a huge, 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 huge deal because the UFC is going to use their television deal with ESPN as a negotiating chip. Well, it's like I saw this clip a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was with Mark Cuban, obviously before uh, him selling a, a decent part of the, I think mean, he sold a majority interest of the Dallas Mavericks, and, and they were talking about the NBA TV deal, and he said he goes, he goes, it's not, he goes, he goes, it's not about the upcoming NBA deal, it's about what is the deal after that, and you know, obviously he was alluding to the fact of, for, depending on who you're a fan of there may be logistical issues to be able to watch your team play. Like for me to be able to watch the Tampa Bay lighting and the Orlando magic play, I have YouTube TV. Bally sports is not a part of YouTube TV. So I pay 30 bucks a month for Bally sports because the lighting and magic are on two different RSNs. So I have to do a bundle package. So, because I would love the fact that if I could buy the NBA league pass and the magic games were not blacked out, I would totally do that. But that was to me what Mark Cuban saying is like the way, and he's like, look, linear television loves sports because it's what brings it what brings customers in there. But like the it's we're in a very changing landscape. Yeah, yeah, and I think the days of regional sports networks are going the way of the dodo. Yeah. You know, it's it's they're collapsing on themselves, and at some point, it is going to be a deal where that league pass subscription is going to work for you where locally you're going to be able to watch your teams and it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. But when it comes to properties that are ready to go on streaming now, I think amongst sporting properties, the UFC is high up there because the fans have been conditioned to buy the pay-per-views on streaming, to buy the most important events, watch it through streaming service. Now you can't even buy a UFC pay-per-view on a cable box. You can't do it. So people are already watching the biggest events through ESPN Plus. So that's what Which, makes the UFC. Let's be honest about it. I, at least for me, 
every event a UFC I watch is via streaming service. Same here. Same here. Hundred percent. Unless, unless I'm just f- channel flipping and the UFC's on TV. Yes, a hundred percent. So, you know, I I think, man, I really think Netflix should really take a hard look at buying the UFC. I mean, because Netflix is the most dominant streaming player right now, and for well, the I mean, foreseeable future. I mean, I, I think the question that Mark with that is is. Can they get a return on their investment? You know, I mean, obviously the UFC is going to get a massive television deal um, in 2025. There, there's no question about it. It's going to be a massive deal. It's just a matter of, I mean, God knows where 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 we play into this. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they, it's, you know, maybe Google looks at the, hey, we, we've got the NFL Sunday ticket. If we get the UFC, that's going to bring more subscribers to YouTube TV. Yeah. I guess return on investment for Netflix is going to be on the on the pay-per-views because, like, chances are people that would subscribe to Netflix are already subscribed. I mean, they got 247 million paid subscribers. That's a whole shit ton. I don't know how many more subscribers are going to get added to the service, but the way to make the money back is by charging pay-per-view and taking a significant portion of that cut. Yeah. And that's, and- that's the way Netflix can, can win that back. And, and that's the way Netflix can truly launch their sport division. Well, and let's be honest about it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, while the UFC may get a crap ton of money from whoever, that cost is going to come back on us as consumers. And the other guarantee is that profit ain't going to go to the fighters. Here's the other thing. Let's just be realistic about it. We're getting very close to every UFC pay view being $100. We're not that far away. Think yeah, about it. Like, it goes up five dollars every bro. year on ESPN. I mean, what are we at? Seven, are, we, are we at seventy nine ninety nine or eighty four ninety nine right now? Will UFC three hundred be a hundred dollars? I would. I would vote yes more than I would vote no at this point. Yeah. I mean, look, what, uh, ESPN has made this very clear. I mean, every year. Look, we're going to get an email in in three or four weeks that UFC 297 is it's now five dollars more. It, it happens every year like clockwork, and yeah. it it is the thing I have noticed. I don't know if if you've noticed this where you live. I feel like we are starting to see more and more people going out to watch a UFC pay per view because. They just look at that rising cost and say, you know what? I'll go to a sports bar. I'll get the Uber. Uber costs me 10, 15, 20 bucks, however far you're going, you know, and I'll, I'll run up a $40 tab and I'll, I'll take in the fight that way, as opposed to spending, you know, 80 plus dollars, um, you know, sitting and watching at home. No, I think you're right. I, I think that is how people. People want to watch the show, but they're not willing to spend the money for that big thing. So it's like, let's have a night out with friends. And I do think they're migrating towards that. I mean, go out, you know, you go out, you know, say there's three or four of your buddies you go out with. And let's say you all love to drink the same beer. You, you get, you know, a couple of buckets of, of that beer. And it, it's it's at the end of the day. Well, at least my crew is probably about the same amount of price, but <laughs> 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 the beers usually start flowing and uh, they don't stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's that's the way to that's the way as long as you get an Uber, man, that's the way to do it. 
You know, I can't wait to watch the Iron Claw with the boys. That that's is that the Von Eric film? Yeah, I feel really bad. I was talking to one of my friends at work and uh, spoiled the movie for him. He was oh, a big wrestler. Oh, he didn't know it was a true story. <laughs> he didn't know anything about the Von Erichs. I was like, "Yeah, man, basically all of them died." He's like, "What?" I was like, "I was like, I didn't even really spoil history." But, it's yeah. like it's like I remember back in the day, like uh, when Miracle came out. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I already know what happens. I go, what do you mean? I go, uh, it's a true story. Yeah, and a huge story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, ridiculous. Yeah. But I'm excited for that movie, man. I, I am. I remember one time I was watching, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if you ever saw the ESPN documentary of the Four Seasons of Buffalo, which was about the four failed uh, Super Bowls for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think I did. And the person goes, goes they're going to win, right? This is like, it's, it's, it's America's game. We go, no, they never won. Yeah. 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 This happened. This is, yeah. J- Jim Kelly don't have no Super Bowl ring. I, I hope I never have to experience that. Let's just say that. Well, you, you already, oh, you, if we're forced to, I mean, you already have a ring in every sport, don't you? The Magic have not, uh, but physically, Working for a a team, uh, we're two uh, two and zero in Super Bowls. So I hope I never experience a lot. I can't imagine what is that flight like after you lose a Super Bowl. Like there, it has to be quiet as can be. It has to be. Yeah, because you were just right there. Could you? you could you imagine right. what, like the fourth time and and the Bills are on that flight coming home, like. I'm sure nobody said anything. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being in the Eastern Conference in the 90s and you weren't a part of the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah. You, you are definitely right about that one. But, uh, but you know what? We appreciate everyone tuning in this podcast. Hopefully, UFC 296 is great. Of course, uh, we'll still have a show next week. Who knows? I'm, something crazy will happen. Something crazy will happen. Yeah, maybe it'll yeah, be mostly recapping the the pay per view, but absolutely something crazy will happen. Maybe Jake Paul will lose to Andre August. That would that would absolutely be crazy. That would be crazy. But uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in this episode of the podcast. We'll be back here next week. Of course, you can always check out the podcast on YouTube, also on the podcasting platforms. Of course, uh, the podcast on the audio platform comes out on Wednesday. Usually, the video gets up there on Thursday. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. 